So we're going through Acts, and um, we're in chapter 14, so we're continuing on this journey. And so I'm just going to jump right in. They're continuing the missionary journey, and, uh, and uh, it says, Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue, and they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, and they poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyokaonia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. I love that first line. It says that they, they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. I think that's a real good word and season for us right now. God, are we speaking in such a way that people, when they hear what we say, they become believers? That's a say law, isn't it? There's an exhortation in the scriptures where it says, let everything that you say be seasoned with salt and profitable for the hearer. You and I have to recognize that the words that we say, the things that we write, the stuff that we post, the conversations that we have, the jokes that we tell are heard by others. And the question is, am I speaking in such a way that others hear what I say and become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? I will confess to you that not everything that I've said, nor the ways that I have seen it, always do that. And, and I have been confessing that to the Lord because I've recognized, whoa, Lord, yikes. Like, you ever do that? You catch yourself saying something, and then you look over and go, oh, man, I hope that person doesn't see me in church on Sunday. Anybody? Everybody? Yeah. You're just like, ooh, boy, that's going to be awesome. Um, but that, isn't that a say law for us, that we would speak in such a way that we would understand that the things that we're saying, the way that we're saying things is to demonstrate the love and the life of Jesus Christ so that by our words and our deeds, even if people don't agree with us, they at least are respectful of the life that we live. They, that they would, be, they would say, look, I don't, believe, I don't believe in what you're saying, but I cannot argue with the life that you're living. Because the way that you respect and honor and love people, even when they do you wrong, is undeniably good. Are you with me? May we do that. Amen? Let's keep doing that, Christ Center. But as they're doing this, many people get saved. And then it says, unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Here's this adventure that they're on. God has said to all of us, right? Here's the great, Jesus says to us, go, preach the gospel of the kingdom, the good news teaching everyone to do everything that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always. And so that's what these guys are doing. They're on a missionary journey. As they're going, they're going from town to town to preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, that we can all believe in him and be saved, become born again, transformed, a new creation in Christ, live forever, and tell other people about that good news. Come on. And what's the new commandment in doing that? We get to love other people as much as God loves us. And Jesus said that right before we put him on the cross. 
I want you to love others as much as I love you. And by the way, if you want to know what that looks like, watch me now die for the very people that are murdering me. That's how I want you to roll. And then he goes further to say, and if you do that, then they will know that I'm Jesus Christ. If you live like this, people will see how you love the way that I love you, and they'll believe that I'm the son of God. Because nothing makes any sense for why anybody would live like that unless Jesus Christ is the son of God. Amen? So they're doing this. And they're preaching this good news. And the people, the Jews and the Gentiles, they get stirred up against them, half of them anyway. And they go, we're going to kill you. <laughs> we're going to stone you. And at that point, they go, okay, well, we can't preach the gospel if we're dead. And so we're going to fulfill the rest of Jesus' teachings where he said, go to every town, right? Start in Jerusalem and then go to the outer areas and then to all the nations of the earth. And he said, and if they, if they like preach the gospel and if they receive it, great. If they don't, shake the dust off your feet and head to the next town. And so that's what they do. They go, we're going to kill you. And they go, well, we can't preach the gospel if we're dead. So we're not going to stay here and raise up an army and overthrow them. We're going to go to the next town and share the good news. And that's what they did. So let's keep going. Verse 8. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. And he was crippled from birth and had never walked. And he listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, Hermes, because Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, he brought oxen and garlands to the gates, and he wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments, they rushed out in front of the crowd, crying out, Men, what are you, do what are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. A lot is going on. This is a pretty action-packed section. But the first thing is, Paul looks out and he notices a dude who needs a miracle. So he looks and he goes, well, that's broken. That's not right. And Jesus has commanded us, right, that when we see the sick, we're supposed to pray for them. And so Paul looks at him and he says, hey, get up on your feet and walk in the name of Jesus. And the dude gets up on his feet. How many of you guys know it's a lot easier to say that Jesus Christ is certainly among us and the gospel of the kingdom is here when you see a massive miracle. That's a good thing, right? So I, I think it's pretty important for us to recognize this. When you and I see people that are sick, it is normal for us as believers of God to recognize that we are called to pray for them. What happens if they don't get healed? Well, here's the deal. What happens if they do? That's the first question. What happens if they don't get healed? Well, let me tell you what happens if they don't get healed. If you and I are speaking in such a way that Jesus Christ is being 
shown through us. Our hearts, our attitudes, our actions is actually done in love. We're loving people the way Jesus loves us. You guys, that is, that feels good, right? That feels good when somebody goes, I am genuinely here for no other reason than the fact is that I was lost and now I'm found. And the same one who found me loves you. And I care about you. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus sees you, that he loves you. And I notice too that you're sick. Would you mind if I prayed for you? Oftentimes when we pray in the name of Jesus, he will heal. Can I pray for you? And you pray for that person. Well, they might get healed. There's a good chance they would. But even if they don't, they will simply say, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for caring about my well-being. Thank you for taking a risk. Thank you for being willing to break whatever protocol there is to say, I care so much about you. I'd just like to go for you on behalf of you to this God that he might heal you and bless you where you are. They're not going to be offended if they didn't happen to get healed that time. The key thing for us is this. We're called to pray for people when they're sick. That's a command for us. Amen? So Paul did it, and in this case, he got healed. So that's a good thing. Immediately after the miracle, the people totally misinterpret what's going on. They take their culture, and they apply the miracle to their own gods. They're like, oh, you must be Zeus <laughs> and Hermes. This makes perfect sense. We're, we've seen a miracle. There's only one way that could have happened. It's these false gods. For them, they weren't false. They thought they were real. So then Paul has to keep preaching the gospel. He goes, whoa, 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 guys, you're missing the point here. This is actually Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one true God, and you must follow him. And even with preaching that gospel, he can barely keep them from sacrificing in the way that they've always understood God. All right, so the, the action continues. Let's keep going. Verse 19. But Jews came up from Antioch and Iconium. Now, this is where they just ran away from. These are the guys that tried to stone them in the last town. And so they've now chased them to this town. Like, where'd those guys go? And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city... And had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Did you catch this? So we just had a miracle, a bunch of people are getting saved. The guys who didn't like the gospel of the kingdom in the last town follow them there, pick up rocks, surround Paul, and throw rocks at him until he is beat to a pulp enough that they go, oh yeah, that dude's dead. Now the thing you got to realize is that these guys are used to stoning heretics. So they're not like novices at stoning them. They're like, no, we pretty much know about how many times you hit people in the head and body with rocks. When they're all pulped up, you're like, yeah, you see how that's all purpley and bloody right there and all the dents? That, he's dead. Dude's dead. Like, look at, the, look at the face swelling. That guy's dead. This is just a day in the life of. And then they say, well, let's take his body out of town. And they take him out of town and throw his body out of town. 
And then the disciples show up and they're like, what now? And Paul gets up, not dead, and walks back into town. Unbelievable. Look at the perseverance that's happening in the midst of this. And what does he say to them? This is what's crazy, right? So Paul gets up, having been stoned to the point that the people go, oh, that guy's got to be dead. Because, I mean, I was just, I got a standpoint, I got a standpoint, stand on point. It's a sign and a wonder. Here we go. So then he goes back in, and what does he say? He says to them, he strengthens the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. To enter the kingdom of God, we must enter through many tribulations. Through many tribulations, we enter the kingdom of God. What am I saying to you? This is not a shocker. See, he's telling them, guys, this is normal. This is okay. This means we are on the right track. Do you guys remember when Paul came to the Lord? He was persecuting the church. He, he held the coats while they stoned Stephen. Stephen prayed for Paul. You guys remember this? And then Paul ends up having an encounter with Jesus. He gets blinded. Jesus says, go to Cornelius. He goes to Cornelius. Cornelius prays for him. And what did God, what did Jesus say to Cornelius? Go and pray for Paul, who used to persecute the church. I am going, I have called him, and I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Jesus Christ, it says, learned obedience through what he suffered. You guys, part of this life is that we actually join Jesus in his sufferings. Are you guys encouraged? You excited? You're like, oh, goody, get the rocks. So, so he encourages them. He encourages them. The thing that I want to I draw out for you today, this, 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 this story is all about perseverance. This story is all about understanding that as we extend the kingdom of heaven, we should expect to have trials and troubles and tribulations. That suffering is actually part of what we've been called into. And Jesus Christ, when he gave us that commandment, right, he says, a new commandment I give you. This is right before he goes to the cross. I give you a new commandment. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Then he washes their feet, says, do the same, and goes to the cross. What does that mean for us? It means that the way that we love each other is actually with a sacrificial love that looks like Jesus who hung on a cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Don't count this sin against them, Father. I came here to save these people who put me on this cross. I came here to suffer for a people who weren't asking for me yet. I came here to die for my enemies. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're called to do. And I got to tell you that part of what that means is not having the last word. It means turn the other cheek. It means Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, love your friends, and hate your enemies. But Jesus says, but I, the Messiah says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you. So that's what these guys are doing. They're living this out. And he says, so don't think it's weird. In fact, let me jump in here. First Peter, I'm sorry, James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Look at this. Count it all 
What does that say? What? You must be outside your mind. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The encouragement for you right now, okay, that I want, you guys, we have to grab a hold of this. Our expectations about following Christ in his kingdom are really important because a lot of us, we understood the part about life and life abundantly, which is true. Peace that passes understanding, which is true. Being taken from strength to strength and glory to glory, which is true. Being adopted into the family of God, which is true. But some of us didn't realize that he said, and how many of you, if you've left mother or father or sons or daughters or houses in my name, he says, you will receive hundreds more in its place in this life and in the next life, everlasting life, right? But he says, you will receive a hundred times more in this life with suffering. With suffering. Our expectations to live in this life without trials and tribulations is a major issue for us because when they come, we think something's wrong. And I want to give you two examples. So the first one is, do you guys realize before you got saved that there were certain things that you didn't have to suffer because you weren't following Jesus yet? That the minute you started following Jesus, you, started to, you had to suffer? Let me give an example. Before you were following Christ, you didn't have to do any of the things that he cares about. You didn't have to love your enemies. You didn't have to forgive people who weren't repenting. You didn't have to stop drinking if you didn't want to. Drunkenness is not a sin for people who don't believe in sin. Like, don't drive drunk, but you can drink as much as you want. You can, you can do whatever you want with your body. That's fine. You like this kind of sexual ethic? Do that. That's fine. You want to do this with your body? Do that. That's totally fine. It's, it's up to you. You choose what you, we've all heard it, right? You do you. But when you become born again, you don't do you anymore. You do Jesus. And all of a sudden now, those things that you used to do without guilt, you no longer have the freedom to do if you want to follow Jesus. Suddenly now you have to check in with Jesus and he goes, you've been bought with a price and your sexual ethics now have to match my ethic. Your eating patterns have to match my eating patterns. You don't have the right to kill yourself through poor health because your body belongs to me and I want you to run a good race. You don't have the right to get drunk anymore because I've said it's not good to give into drunkenness but to be filled with the Holy Spirit instead. You don't have the right to write your own sexual ethics anymore because I have created you as a temple of the Holy Spirit. You now belong to me. And suddenly now there's a new trial that happens. And this is what James is talking about. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And that trial, as you, as you go into James, you can go on your own. That's chapter 1. He's talking about temptations. See, the trial that we face, and this is where I want you to be comforted, that we face as followers of Christ is now we're tempted by things that before we got saved you could just do. If you're not saved, you can look at all the porn you want. It's just normal. It's just an appetite of the flesh. You're not hurting anybody. They already made that decision or not. You can justify it however you want, but your conscience doesn't condemn you because it's just an appetite. But when you become saved, you suddenly realize, like, oh, that's God's daughter. 
and he says not to lust after others. Suddenly now the ethic changes. You can't look at pornography anymore. But you may be tempted by pornography. There's a trial. Now you understand and say, wait, okay, and, here's, and here I'm using pornography. It could be too that you used to drink. You used to have an open relationship and several different lovers, whatever it is. You used to gossip all the time and never felt bad. And all of a sudden the Lord says, do not gossip and cause a bitter root. You're tempted to just tell that juicy tidbit you know. You're like, I'm dying. I want to let it, I got to tell somebody. And Jesus is like, count it all joy. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> so when we have those temptations, we're actually suffering with a trial because we're following Christ. Are you hearing me? So some of you might be actually really frustrated because you're like, why am I still tempted by this? Why don't I just be not tempted by this anymore? Can I just be over it like Jesus, like I'm not even tempted? But it says even Jesus was tempted, he just didn't sin. So you're joining Jesus in a temptation of suffering as a follower of Christ. Do you see that? And, and we're encouraged when that happens, the reason why it's happening is because Jesus is being formed in you. And that suffering of temptation actually matters to the Lord. And you can go, oh, I count it joy. I count it joy that the enemy is trying to tempt me into adultery or tempt me into idolatry or tempt me into drunkenness or whatever it is or gossip, anything that would destroy my neighbor, anything that's, that's there. And I go, oh, Lord, I count it joy that I'm going to join you in your sufferings and not do that thing, even though it still calls out to me. It's, you're, not, you're not a bad person because that thing calls out to you. You're actually suffering with Christ, and you resist it, and you count it joy and say, I have grace to run from this thing. Are you with me? So that's one of those trials. So count it joy when you suffer. It's part of the suffering of Christ. The second one is this. Beloved, 1 Peter, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. It's like, why is everybody mad at me? Everything, we were cruising along great, and then I woke up, and like, most of the things that I have said in Christ, everybody says, I'm now a bigot. I didn't even change. But the world changed. And now suddenly, if I have an ethic in this area, now, and I share it, it's called bigotry. Or hate speech. Now remember, I want to be really clear here, by the way. Actually, we're going to get into this. The, I'll get to the second part. There's a little addendum here to make sure that we're speaking in such a way that when people hear us, they hear about Jesus and they sense Jesus and they come to believe in Jesus because the way that we speak, the way that we, the way that we post, the way that we articulate causes people to believe in Jesus as opposed to maybe some other things that we probably are all guilty of from time to time. Somebody say, ouch or Amen. All right, so we're going to get into that because James actually talks about this. Let's, let, I mean, Peter. Okay, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice. There's that, there's that joy thing again. I'm spitting up here. Can you guys see that? It's in the light. That's why we moved these back, actually. Several complaints in the front row. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or an evildoer or a thief or as a meddler. What, a, what an interesting list, right? You start out with murderer, like 
yeah, no problem there, Lord. <laughs> We're good. And then it's like, or as a thief, you're like, yeah, I don't think I've stolen anything since I was like a kid. I stole that little plane from my buddy. Um, or as an evildoer, ah, that's a little wider. Or as a meddler, what? A meddler. So you look at this word meddler. You know what it is? It's someone who meddles in other people's business. One of the scriptures says, I want you to live quiet, peaceable lives, not as uh, minding your own business, so that the gospel of Jesus will not be maligned. I don't want you to meddle in affairs that are not yours and then bring shame on Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that we're not suffering because we keep running our little yappers about things that honestly we may or may not be involved in. And doing it in such a way that we actually suffer because what we're saying is not unto the scriptures, which is what? Let everything that you say be seasoned with salt, profitable for the hearer. We are, you guys know that we as believers are going to give an account for every single thing that we say before the Lord. Thank God for mercy, right? I mean, some of you don't talk as fast as me. I, this one puts fear and trembling into my heart. I'm like, oh, Jesus. So he's saying, don't suffer because you're meddling. Don't suffer for stupid things where people rightfully are going, you're being a jerk. You're being offensive. You're being proud. You're being arrogant. Don't suffer for those things. Suffer because you're actually joining Jesus in his ministry of speaking the truth in love. Loving and speaking in such a way that we cause other people to feel as loved as we do by God himself. Suffer for that reason. And when you do, count joy that you're being worthy, counted worthy to suffer for him. Know that you're on the right track. Are you guys with me? Persevere. So when they throw rocks at you, because you're doing such a good job preaching the gospel, you be like, yes! You guys with me? And then he says this, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. That's what we get to do. That's the perseverance. That's what we're walking through together, is to persevere. And we see the story. I love this. Let's, um, verse 24 through 28, he then summarizes it says, then they passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they'd been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. I love this summary. It doesn't say, and then they talked about the time that Paul got stoned to death, it says, it says, hey, he's opened up the door to the Gentiles. Isn't that great? Not half of the city kicked us out or like there was, it doesn't say that. It says, hey, check it out. The kingdom's on the move. What a beautiful perspective. You guys, our expectations, may ours align with that. Like, yeah, that was a bummer. Like it's a bummer that that, that part's not happening yet. But look at what is happening. We need to have an expectation in this life that we can have joy for the things that we suffer, and that we can persevere knowing, knowing that each of these things is actually forming Christ in us, and it's to be expected. So, so many of us, I think, are a little discouraged sometimes, because we actually thought that we were supposed to have a life that didn't have troubles in it. I mean, truly, where we're just like, man, if everything's working well, then I won't have to suffer. And Jesus is like, actually, if you're on mission with me, you will know it because you will suffer. I've heard a phrase one time, and it's this, like, if you never run into the devil, you might be traveling the same direction as him. 
It's like, ee, I hope that's not the case. So let's make sure we're suffering for the right reasons, right? I mean, may the Spirit of God convict us for the places where we're not sharing in such a way that people believe in the kingdom. That's a big deal for us right now. Because we are to be people who are known as those who love Jesus. It doesn't mean that we don't speak with insight and wisdom towards the things that affect our cities and our nation. We must do such things. But we must do it in such a way that people look at it and they say, I might not agree with your conclusion, but I cannot argue with the way that you speak. The way that you respect and honor and love others and treat them as though they're made in God's image, even if you disagree with each other. Guys, this is probably one of the greatest areas where we're suffering because we're more meddly than we are preaching a good winsome word about the kingdom of heaven and why we as believers must do a certain thing. That's very different, isn't it, than some of the stuff that we're hearing and saying. That's the spirit of the world. We must not participate in that. We must show a better way. And if we suffer for that, then we count it as joy. Man, praise God, I'm suffering for the right reason for once. Hallelujah. I want to show you, as we, as we persevere, I want to show you a cool story of this in action. And um, as you know, we've been gathering testimonies. And if you have one, we sure want to hear yours as well. But here's a beautiful testimony of someone who has suffered and persevered. And Jesus has been faithful. I'm Burnett Christensen. My husband heard. There you go. I'm Burnett Christensen. My husband, Herb, and I were married in 1971. A few months after we were married, Herb had a serious accident, a work-related accident, and did major damage to his back. He was in chronic pain. He had multiple back surgeries. He had had an alcohol issue before we even were married. Then, during this time, he uh, became addicted to pain meds. It, it destroyed his health. He had his first heart attack at 39 years. For years and years, I would count on Herb and, and think things were going to go a certain way, and then I'd be disappointed and I'd be let down and um, he'd fall back into problems with his addiction and my hopes my hopes would be dashed again and again and I just I just wanted it all to quit it was it was there were some really hard moments there were hard times our whole family was attending Christ Center Church I remember coming into the office, and I'm not sure even who, who, who gave me the word, but they said, things were, were dark around me, and there were problems around me, and I was dealing with a lot of heavy things, but that I needed to learn how to fly above the clouds, that the sun was shining up above. And I would, I would determine, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get through today, I'm gonna rejoice, 
no matter what's happening at home, no matter what's going on with Herb's health, no matter what we're facing, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to keep going and just deciding not to give up. So as a result of our praying and, and just fellowship and attending church and growing in the Lord, um, Herb began to be involved in mission trips to, to Guatemala several times, um, Central America, Cuba, and then later on to Russia that caused him to grow spiritually and to um, get healthier and healthier with the Lord and with, with our family. I, I, was, I was glad, I was glad he was going on these trips, um, amazed sometimes, uh, <laughs> like when he went to Romania and was trying to quit smoking. <laughs> he struggled, <laughs> yeah, he struggled, but God used him anyhow, in spite of it, God used him on those mission trips. It, it was baffling to me. Um, but he, he said, I want to go where, where no one else wants to go. Send me, God, where no one else wants to go. And he did and touched, touched a lot of people. Jesus was faithful with us through it all. He did an amazing work in our marriage and took us through 40, 47 years of ups and downs, but God was there with us. When Herb had his first heart attack at 39 years, the doctor came out and told me that he might live till he's 50. And he actually lived till he was 75 years old. When he passed away, he was 75. I just want to say to people to not give up, to not, to not throw in the towel or, or walk away, especially with their marriages, even if you don't, if you don't feel the love that you think you deserve, or, or, or you don't have the love for that person that you used to have, don't, don't give up, don't give up on marriages. There were many, many years and many, many days of, of walking with Jesus through, through the, through the situations, but he, he was faithful. It turned out good in the end. Isn't that awesome? I, I love I love her her final, you know, that outro. It turned out good in the end. And that's what we're called to. That's that's what we're called to. Jesus Christ is going to redeem every single thing. And we will be rewarded for everything that we suffered for in his name. It says if you give a, a glass of cold water in his name, you will by no means lose your reward. When you give your life the way that Jesus gave his life, it's so easy to try to turn this thing to some kind of belief. Like, well, I believe this will happen. I believe that in my hearty heart. Well, no, you only believe it if you actually do it. If you do something, if you stay, if you stand, if you forgive, if you, begin, you, you give your life to those people that are there. You know, James goes on to say, listen, you could say be blessed, but if you don't actually do something about somebody's need, you haven't done anything. 
And so we're getting called to get to walk with the Lord in our actions, in our lives, and to speak and share the gospel of the kingdom. And I want you guys to know you're in it. You're doing it. Keep the faith. Just even as Vernette said, don't give up. Don't walk away. Don't give up on those people that have hurt you. Don't, don't stop loving. Keep loving. Keep giving. Keep blessing. Keep praying. And you will see God move in that situation. You will see God move in that situation. And count it joy when you're counted worthy to suffer for his name. To not get the thing that you, that you, that you need. To not get the, the justice that's yours yet. To wait and to stand with the Lord. To be with annoying people. Right? And God will reward you. So I just want you to keep the faith. I want you to persevere. I went with, a, with Vern on a, on a mission trip. And he, he was seeking to take me to Russia. He, he, he specifically focused on people that were in Siberian prisons after the Soviet Union fell. He went out to these prisons out in the middle of nowhere to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that had been forgotten. People that were put far, far, far away. And as we were traveling on the way there, um, he's there trying to pass the torch to me. Because he said, Josh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here. But, you, you know, this is part of our inheritance, and you need to go. You need to see these things. You need to meet these people so we can continue to minister in these prisons. And so, so he, he had asked me several years, and finally I'm like, okay, let's go. So we went. And while we're there, he has a heart attack on the mission trip. We're on the Siberian road. He's sitting in there. I remember him buckled in with the seatbelt around him, and he's, like, just got no energy. We didn't know that he'd had a heart attack, but he has no energy. We thought he had some horrible virus or something. His head's just swinging back and forth as we're driving over these rutted roads in the Siberian, <laughs> you know, nowheresville, snow all around. And the minute we would get to the prison, he would rally, we would go in, he would introduce everyone, and we'd share the gospel with these guys. And we'd say, listen, we want you to know that people gave money to send us to come to you to tell you that God has not forgotten you, that he knows where you are and he sees you and he loves you. And that's why we're here, because Jesus Christ knows you and he loves you and he wants you to be with him. And that's the gospel that we preached. And here I am with, with Herb. And one would think that since we're on special kingdom business, maybe God might spare Herb from having yet another heart attack. Nope, that's not how it worked out. Herb was counted worthy to suffer having congestive heart failure for our whole mission trip. We didn't even know what was happening. When he got home, his doctor said, I don't know how you didn't die. But he said, but you had a heart attack, pretty decent one. And how you made it back, I don't know, but... Here's all the damage, here's all the EKGs and all the stuff that was there. And we continued to, to, to preach the gospel. And Herb was counted worthy to suffer for Christ's sake, to preach the gospel in the midst of having yet another heart attack. And when he went home, he has certainly received his reward. I want each of you to be encouraged that you will receive your reward and count it joy in those things you're suffering. So whether you're suffering with the trials of temptation or the trials of persecution or being misunderstood or maligned or whatever it is, just know this, your inheritance is the joy of the Lord right now. And you are on the right track. Keep fighting the good fight. We're going to end with this. We're going to take the next five minutes. And I want you to just get with one other person. And I want you to share an area where you are persevering and you want to ask for prayer and they're going to pray for you that the Lord would encourage you and give you joy in that place where you're persevering, where you need to keep persevering. So just go ahead and grab some other person and if you're a brave soul, maybe you could suffer with Christ a little bit and get up and maybe go find somebody you haven't prayed with for a while or ever 
And let's just get together right now. Go ahead and stand up. Grab somebody who looks like they would be willing to pray with you. And we're going to take five minutes. Share an area where you are persevering. And we're going to pray for one another for the joy of the Lord. And then we'll wrap up.